0: You're listening to Word on Health, the report with its finger on the pulse of popular medicine, with Paul Pennington. Word on Health. Feel very best of health. Over the past three decades, we've had it drummed into us that we should maintain healthy cholesterol levels in our blood. As we continue to get used to the ever-present threat of COVID-19, alongside masking up, keeping our distance and regularly washing our hands, it's increasingly important that we all embrace a healthier lifestyle to help us reduce the potential severity of COVID-19 and a whole range of our biggest killers. That unhealthy cholesterol levels contribute to. Christopher Allen is from the charity Heart UK.
1: Cholesterol is a fatty substance which travels around in your blood. It's actually made in the liver. We all need some cholesterol to help us function normally but like anything if we have too much it can cause health problems like heart attacks strokes and vascular dementia. If you have an underlying condition like high cholesterol or high blood pressure or you've had a diagnosis of heart disease, we've seen that your outcomes are worse if you get something like coronavirus and the rates of people who don't survive are lower in people who have those underlying conditions if they're not treated successfully. And that's the difference we're careful with is that If you are doing everything that you should be doing in regards to your lifestyle and taking all your medications, you're keeping yourself as safe as you possibly can. It's where people don't know that there's a problem a lot of the time or where they're not adherent their treatments that there's been an issue.
0: I know thanks to COVID-19 you've received many calls to your charity's helpline about treatments over the past months. I see that research suggests that lipid-lowering pharmacological interventions, in particular statins, might reduce the risk of cardiovascular complications caused by COVID-19.
1: Don't just lower cholesterol, they have other properties too. They can help to stabilize that fatty plaque that gathers in the arteries. And what you also get in your arteries is a lot of inflammation. And with this being a virus, viruses can cause inflammation in the body. So there's some evidence to suggest that statins could be beneficial for people who develop coronavirus. So Chris, when it comes to cholesterol, what's a healthy level? So for someone who's otherwise healthy, they don't have a strong family history of heart disease, they don't have a diagnosis of heart disease themselves, or other conditions like diabetes, we would say a total cholesterol of around about five or less would be healthy. For somebody who does have, for example, diabetes or they've had a heart attack or stroke, we would usually push more towards four to further reduce their risk because we know they have a higher risk in general.
0: There's plenty of dietary and lifestyle measures we can take to maintain a healthy level. If we want to get our cholesterol level checked, we can pop into our local pharmacy to get it done, can't we? What's involved?
1: For so something that you would have done at a pharmacy, or say for example, there's lots of local healthcare initiatives in areas that have funded it for themselves. You'll usually have a finger prick, similar to how we check for blood sugar in people with diabetes. We take uh, a finger prick and then we take a small drop of blood and that's tested. And then you can be given what your cholesterol is. And that's the most common thing that's used in places like pharmacies. If your result is not what would be expected, then usually you'd be asked to go to your GP surgery or practice nurse or local phlebotomy clinic and they would take the full blood sample with a needle from your arm like you would have any other blood test
0: if it's discovered that we have an abnormal level what can be done
1: you can bring your cholesterol down with diet and lifestyle absolutely some people need a bit of help with medications because they can't quite get it down enough but what's important is to work with your healthcare professionals to do that so it may be that you have a genetic condition whereby you will never achieve a healthy cholesterol just through lifestyle and you'd be recommended to take drugs whereas someone who maybe lives next door which you hear all the time they have a high cholesterol but they've been told they can just do it by lifestyle alone so it's important to chat to your healthcare professional about why they think this has happened. And it may be that, you know, some people make those changes and then they get their cholesterol to a normal level and then the GP says, you know, I'll see you in a year, you know, unless anything else happens because they've changed what they're doing.
0: Putting you in the picture. This is Word on Health with Paul Pennington. Around three quarters of people questioned in a nationwide poll commissioned by the Dyspraxia Foundation stated that they thought that behavioural, social and learning problems that are associated with dyspraxia was simply an excuse for naughty or disruptive children. Sally Payne is from the Dyspraxia Foundation.
2: A lot of the children present in the classroom and at home with behavioural problems and they often present to healthcare services by parents who are worried about the behaviour.
0: So Sally, how do we distinguish between a child that's being naughty and a Child with dyspraxia.
2: Children with dyspraxia have coordination difficulties that make everyday activities really hard for them. So there's often a build-up of challenges throughout the day. They've been frustrated by the fact they had difficulty getting dressed in the morning. The mum was shouting at them because they came downstairs late. They've got to take the thing to school. They're tired when they reach school because they've had to put extra effort into walking and keeping going. So before they've even reached the classroom, they've had to deal with a huge number of challenges. And then that can spill into behaviour that appears to be naughty but actually when you look behind the behaviour there's a whole lot that's gone on before that.
0: I understand that dyspraxia may affect up to 6% of the population and up to 2% severely males being four times more likely to be affected than females. Do we have any idea what causes dyspraxia?
2: No and that's a real problem for us. There's no conclusive thought about what it is. Lots of theories. Our best guess at the moment that there's been some delay in the development of the nervous system before the children are born. It's not brain damage We know that because you can't see anything on brain scans and there's certainly no blood tests that you can do that will show what it is.
0: Sally, I believe that the condition is a misunderstood and often misdiagnosed one and it can be a real fight for parents to get their child's condition recognised. We know there's no cure, but are there things that can be done to help?
2: There's an awful lot that we can do. Some children will benefit from physiotherapy to develop their strengths and their coordination. Other children will benefit from occupational therapy to develop their fine motor skills, their everyday activities. Some children have speech difficulties too, so they may benefit from speech therapy. But I think all children will benefit from understanding at school, so perhaps extra support from the special needs coordinator within the school setting.
0: This is Word on Health with Paul Pennington. Recent research has shown that the amount of people turning to traditional acupuncture in the UK has risen by around 15% over the last decade, making it one of our most popular complementary therapies. Rhiannon Griffiths is a traditional acupuncturist and member of the British Acupuncture Council. Traditional acupuncture is a form of ancient Chinese
3: medicine that focuses on harmonising the mind and the body and the emotions. It's a holistic practice seeks out the root cause of illness and addresses it by balancing internal energy that we also know as chi. And we use the insertion of ultra-fine needles, which are the thickness of a human hair, into specific Points on the body, and that regulates the proper functioning and encourages the body's natural ability to restore its own health. Traditional acupuncture is considered to be effective at helping a wide range of conditions, really, from clearly defined complaints to more kind of general feelings of ill health and low energy. Often patients say that they turn to acupuncture as their focus is on the individual, and also the lack of side effects also plays a really big role why people want to come for acupuncture.
0: Rhiannon, doing my research, I see one of the major myths surrounding acupuncture is around the needles you use.
3: Before I had acupuncture, when I was a teenager, I was a needle phobic completely. Acupuncture was off the table. I would never even have considered it. But acupuncture needles are so fine and so tiny. People think that acupuncture is going to be the same as having an injection, and it just isn't. For us, less is more. A credible and well qualified acupuncturist will choose their points very carefully so that it's for the utmost comfort of the patient.
0: Though there is a view that acupuncture is no better than the placebo effect, I know that there is scientific evidence to show that it does work. You spoke there of well-qualified and credible traditional acupuncturists. What kind of training do you receive and what should those of us looking to try this form of complementary therapy be looking for in a practitioner?
3: A lot of training goes into becoming a traditional acupuncturist. There is a minimum three-year full-time degree level course of and that can be BSc or BA. And as part of the course, we look obviously at Chinese medicine and everything from that perspective, but all of the degree courses also include conventional medical training as well. So we have a very broad base of knowledge that we can apply to patients when they come into our treatment room. All members of the British Acupuncture Council are trained to that degree. So you should always look for an acupuncturist who is a member because all members have to adhere to the strict set of guidelines and that ensures that all patients get a really high standard of treatment. We have strict codes of safe practice and ethics. Our insurance is part of being a member. We also have continuing professional development requirements. We are also accredited by the Professional Standards Authority and that offers enhanced protection to anyone looking for an acupuncturist
0: putting you in the picture. This is Word on Health with Paul Pennington. It's claimed around four out of five of us could be at risk of health problems caused by the quality of air in our homes. Peter Howarth is Professor of Allergy and Respiratory Medicine at Southampton University.
4: Within homes, we're exposed to allergens such as house dust mite, animal allergens, but particularly mould. And the YouGov survey has identified that almost 60% of people have had mould within their home at some time Mould is a very important allergen in making diseases such as asthma worse. Mould tends to build up in environments that have condensation or hot and humid, so particularly in bathrooms and kitchens. In addition, we're exposed to a range of chemicals that go under the name of volatile organic compounds, and these are chemicals that are readily given off into the atmosphere from carpeting, soft furnishings, candles, air fresheners, cleaning agents, and paints, as well as furniture such as MDA. Yes, furniture.
0: So, Professor Howarth, who's at particular risk?
4: With healthy individuals, if they're exposed to high enough levels of volatile organic compounds will all get symptoms sore throat, headache, irritated eyes, maybe difficulty concentrating. Individuals with pre existing conditions such as asthma or skin conditions such as eczema find that they're very sensitive to small exposures within the environment. The Ugov surveys identified that patients find that they're much worse within the home environment than they are outdoors.
0: An independent study has suggested that as many as nine out of 10 homes have levels of volatile organic compounds above the recommended levels and i read that the winter months are when these can increase so talk us through some of the measures that we can take to help
4: there are simple things that people can do having windows open ventilating the rooms is important one can use eco-friendly paints one can use more eco-friendly cleaning things anything with aerosol sprays deodorant sprays hair sprays furniture sprays all generate volatile organic compounds one can be careful with the use of air fresh And burning fossil fuels, all these aspects will help reduce the exposure within the home. But the fundamental thing is good ventilation within the home.
0: Word on Health, on air and online, 52 weeks of the year with Paul Pennington.
2: Word on Health, your personal prescription for your very best of health.